take it! In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the spin, and the ball is funny! to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. And it is a Monday, Manic Monday, Marvelous Monday, Magnificent Monday, you call it. Are you cashing tickets or disposing tickets? I guess that, that determines what kind of weekend it was. Buffalo Bills fans... Can we have a moment of silence for the Buffalo Bills fans? No, don't do that because this song is too good. You know, this is, you know, maybe later we'll give them a moment of silence. Or if you want, pump it up for the Niners and the Eagles. There you go. There you go. I feel like a scene from Boogie Nights because they use this song in Boogie Nights. One of Nunchuck's favorites. I don't think Nunchuck was listening to the music, though. He was more or less just looking at the talent. There you go. You know, Nunchuck, I understand you always wanted to be a key grip in the porn industry. Key grip. You know? Sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. I don't know why, why I'm going here. I, it's what I'm trying to figure out, too. So I'll, I'll tell you why. So yesterday, uh, we have our annual uh, event at the Foo Fortress in Boulder City. Shout out to my man, Silver and Black Charlie, who I've talked about on the show. Long-time season ticket holder for the Raiders. Uh, Used to work with the Raiders back in the day when they were in L.A. And uh, so every year, uh, Charlie, a.k.a. Foo, uh, throws a a, a big bash uh, for us uh, at his uh, Palisades, Palacio, Palace, uh, whatever you want to call it. Mansion. There it is, out there. And... uh, so anyway, we, we were talking, I don't know why we were talking about Boogie Nights, and Double B was out there, and he, and he had mentioned something about, you know, somebody being a key grip, you know, we were talking about Boogie Nights, and the soundtrack, the music, and this and that, and Nunchuck, your name came up. Of course it did. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. Uh, uh, now, I don't know if any, anyone had you, you know, mixed up for, for Dirk Diggler or not, Marky Mark, or, or maybe William Macy's character, you know, in that movie as well, too. But anyway, we'll leave that for another time. But anyway, yeah, shout out to uh, Silver and Black Charlie, Foo Master, Foo Fortress, Food on Display, uh, watching the games in style yesterday. And uh, yeah, there was some jubilation and there were some uh, torn up tickets. The G-Man joined okay, us as well class. yesterday. So that was good, too. So, uh, you know, shout out and thank you again uh, to, to Foo. At the Fortress uh, there yesterday. But with all that being said, uh, a lot to cover on the show here today as we recap the divisional playoff games and uh, a Monday afternoon quarterback edition of the show. All right. Uh, Chuck Esposito will join us uh, next hour. We'll talk about it from a sportsbook perspective uh, regarding the winners and the losers. But my man Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com. In the house today, our number one. Marco, what is happening, my man, as he is donning his San Francisco 49ers sweatshirt? So obviously I'm at, I'm, I'm having a flashback here because when I last left Marco on Friday, I was on the Niners. I'm trying to talk him, talk him into the Niners big time. And he goes, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure, but he was calling the under, but he's kind of leaning towards Dallas. 
So we have to pick up where we left off on Friday. But with Marco wearing the Niners gear today, I'm thinking that he that he joined me with the Niners, but he's shaking his head. Marco, what's happening? What happened? I got dacked. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Not good. Uh, go Niners. There we go. There we go. We, we got all the theme songs there. Exactly. I don't know. This, did the Steelers ever have a song like that? The Pittsburgh Polka. Oh, the, <laughs> come on. The Pittsburgh Polka. Do we really need to go into that? Uh, no, he's got to find it. That's, well, that's, that's, that's a gem. That's I know. He, yeah. yeah. That's what he does. Wait, <laughs> what was the, uh, the Pittsburgh? Is that still in existence? Well, it's been a while since we won playoff games, so we haven't got the play. <laughs> Wait, this is Groundhog Day. This is the it's Groundhog about, Day theme. Does yes. it sound like it? We're from the town with the great football team. We cheer the Pittsburgh Steelers. You guys actually played this, and you would actually be drinking. And, and is the terrible towels waved at this point in time? Absolutely. Yeah. You know the original Franco's Italian Army. Yeah. They used to sneak into the stadium inside a loaf of bread, bottle of wine, okay. to the stadium. That's that's how they. Would. It was good. That was the good old days. The Pittsburgh polka. I, I love that. I mean, I thought, you know, all we had was the uh, you know the. The beer barrel polka at the Brewers games in Milwaukee. And that, you know, seventh inning stretch. I mean, that was something else. Interesting stuff. All right. So as we digress, going back to yesterday, we're gonna handy. We're gonna go over all the games from yesterday. But uh, Niners Cowboys. I mean, that was the game we were waiting for. It was in prime time. It was the last game of the weekend. Uh, the never the, the number was stayed four at all the way to kickoff. But there were a couple places. That it dipped down right before kickoff to three and a half. I got that. I waited well because of my bailout game because you and I were both on the Buffalo Bills and that was not pretty. So luckily for the Niners, but I got the Niners at minus three yesterday because I bought the half down. And, uh, you know, when that game was, was on three for a good portion of the game because of the missed Maher extra point, you know, six, six, nine, nine, all that stuff. And then. It was seven, you know, it was four, then went up to seven. So I was like, ooh, I was kind of glad, but it, it didn't matter. But anyway, all right, man, you got dacked. It sounds like me yesterday, you know, talking to Double B and everything. We're talking about how I used to get Hornybrooked all the time, <laughs> you know, with my Wisconsin uh, Badger bets and this and that. So you got dacked. We talked about it. It could happen. It did happen. Dak Prescott, two interceptions yesterday. I'm sorry, Marco. What makes me mad is that. I really did handicap the game well. I you mean, did. we, we broke it down, you know, on Friday. I told you this is going to be an under game. Everything went over last weekend. We've got what did you see last scenario and what happened this weekend? All four games went under the total. So I'm sure when you talk, talk to Chuck later today, he's going to say that the totals were very good to them this weekend. I also said on Friday, this is the best defense Brock Purdy will have faced since he's taken over as quarterback. And Dallas, for the most part, held them in check. I mean, until the final, you know, drive where the Niners were killing clock and just moving down the field, uh, the yardage was dead even. You know, it was, this was a game that if you looked at, covered up the score, but just looked at the stats, you thought it was a tie game and we're going to be going to overtime. But 
the two costly turnovers were did it in. And the first one was just an horrendous throw. The second one, you know, it got tipped and everything. Yeah. If he makes a good throw, it doesn't get tipped, but still it's what we see with the, the Cowboys. You know, you know, I thought we were going to overcome Mike McCarthy, thought I was going to overcome Dak <laughs> and it just, it reared its ugly head and that's what we can do. So I lost it. I feel bad about it, but I, I'm beating myself up more about the Buffalo game than, yeah, than yeah. anything else. I understand that. And, you know, back to the Niner game there, we had talked, you know, during the course of the week and especially mm-hmm. on Friday that, okay, this, and I think this is why you didn't get off the game. And a lot of people do this where they, they see a line that they believe, you know, doesn't make sense. And it seemed, okay, this is, this is a low number if you like the San Francisco 49ers. And therefore there is value. But then there are a lot of people that kind of talk themselves out of it because either they think, okay, maybe, you know, somebody else knows something more and this and that. And, and I, I hear that a lot, especially from guys who really don't follow the game and for guys that are just like number guys or whatever, especially people who live outside of Vegas, outside of Nevada, where I think, well, wait a minute, that, that, that number is too. Somebody knows something this, that. And my response to that is, you know, okay, if you really follow the NFL and you follow matchups, coaches, that sort of thing, you know, just kind of trust your gut, you know, go with it. But for guys who don't follow and just, you know, basically are looking at it, you know, trends and numbers and that sort of thing, it's just like, well, you know, I just, you know, we rip on a a lot of those type of handicappers a, a lot, you know, but there was nothing to overthink here. San Francisco was the better team going in. They won 11 games in a row. The big question mark was Brock Purdy. You know, is he going to have one of these off games? And then we say, well, it could happen, especially against his Cowboys defense. And it's not that he was, wasn't, you know, sharp or whatever, because it, but Brock Purdy just did what he's been doing all season long. And that is managing the game right and not turn it over. So the game came down to exactly that. Niners with one turnover, Ray Ray McLeod, you know, on the, on the punt. And that was it. Purdy, no turnovers at all. Dak Prescott, two interceptions, costly interceptions. And that was the game right there. You have to, you know, you're not going to win football games if, if your quarterback or, you know, your team is turning the football over. And I think that was it. So sometimes I just think, and again, this isn't a guy that's trying to say, Oh, I had the right side and, and, you know, pounding on guys who, who had, who had Dallas, but I just know that you were conflicted with that game. You were, cause I know you liked San Francisco. You pegged the under, you know, to the T, but I just sometimes I, I think we, we talk ourselves and I'm guilty of it too. We talk ourselves out of something that we initially think looks pretty good. The problem for me in, you're right about the line. Okay. And we talk, you talk on shows. I talk to other guys. There wasn't a bookmaker in town that didn't tell me they were going to need Dallas on Sunday. And yet for as much as they kept saying that the line never moved up. It sat, it opened three and a half, settled at four, was sitting at four all day, all week. And then, as you said, a couple of the places, late money came back in on Dallas again, brought it back down to three and a half. So when, and I always refer to them as John Q. Public, when they're pounding one side, but that line's not moving, that's telling you there's 
significant money on the other side, but it's it's sharper money that that's keeping the books balanced. I should have just put the under out and been done with it. Uh, and I said, going in every show I did early in the week, I said the one game that's giving me the most problems is San Francisco Dallas. Yeah. Okay, I, I have a solid opinion on the under, but that is the one game that. I didn't lock myself into a play until, you know, late in the week that I was going to go with Dallas on that one. But, you know, give them credit. They did what they had to do. And, you know, you talk about a game of inches. Dallas had three big kick returns that were one block away twice from going to the house. Yeah. Okay. In that, you know, those are game changing plays. It, you know, if, if he, if the kicker doesn't catch his shoes. Ro- Robbie Gold <laughs> threw his back into the second one. Yeah. They're in the fourth quarter, threw his back and, and just like, like just ran into him. And then, like you said, the shoestring tackle, yeah. you know, earlier on in the game. Wow. No. Bottom line is two, uh, two big plays for the San Francisco 49ers. Purdy to Kittle on both of them. And, and the one one-handed catch, the bobble, just, <laughs> that really changed the game because yeah. not only the, it flipped field position for the Niners and let them on, on that drive, but it just, it just kind of, the Niners were just playing a lot more fluid after that. And then on the final possession for San Francisco, when Dallas just thought that they were going to, you know, run up the gut, burn their timeouts, First down, what happens? Purdy throws the ball to Kittle for 16 yards. That was the backbreaker, you know, at that point in time right there, even though Dallas got the ball back, but they didn't have any timeouts left and, and virtually, you know, no time left on the clock and they had to go 90 yards. So the game was over, but that play really sealed the deal. That sealed the deal, but go back to the Kittle bobble. Yeah. What was the defender? And I forget his name. I think it was number seven. What Dicks. was he going? What was yeah. he going at when he just threw his body and didn't? <laughs> If he touches him at all, that's an incomplete pass. Yeah. There's no way he brings that in. And he just totally whiffs, goes by him. You know, and that was a back, back bake breaker. I can't even talk today <laughs> for Dallas because you think you're getting off the field and then you give up a play like that. It keeps the drive alive in, you know, how do you let Kittle get what that wide open in key points of the game? I mean, that is the target that he, you know, goes to and who wouldn't love to have. Kittle is your security blanket. I mean, that's the, you got Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. You got Kittle that'll go across the middle. I mean, that's not a tight end going across. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, it is, but it's not. That is a big dude going yeah. across. And with speed too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weapon that, you know, Philadelphia is going to have to, you know, they're going to have to come up with a game plan to stop that because in today's NFL, we're seeing more, you know, the tight end was kind of a lost art position wise, you know, like five, seven years ago in the offenses. It's becoming a big part of the game again. Who's the, and who's the team was the originator, really, one of the originators of that back in the day at San Francisco? Yeah. Russ Francis. I mean, the, the list kind of goes on and on with all the great 49er tight ends back in the day. I mean, you, you saw that with Montana. Um, you know, but it was, it, it was a, a clinic put on by the 49ers. And in my opinion, the reason why the Niners won this game yesterday was, because you mentioned two of the weapons, but you got McCaffrey coming out of the bat f- backfield. You got Kittle that can line up anywhere. And we talked about this before. All these guys line up in different spots. And then you got Debo Samuel. You got Samuel and you got Brandon Ayuk. And you just, you, you have these guys all over the place. And then, you know, even though Ray Ray McLeod, 
you know, fumbled yesterday, but then he had that big return, the kickoff return as well. And we've seen him do that. The Niners just have so many weapons and it's just like, Hey, okay, Brock Purdy, don't screw it up. And that's the difference. And here we are. So for me, it's, that was my only question mark. I was on the Niners. I've been on the Niners this entire run here. I think they're fantastic. But as I said, I've been temperamental, like, okay, you know, Purdy could blow up at any time. I'm with you. This could, mm. this could be the game where they, you know, but I think they have enough weapons to overcome it. So if Purdy can get through that yesterday. I feel that he can get by the Eagles defense because I think the Dallas defense actually is better than Philadelphia's. And if, if Purdy is not going to turn the ball over, then the Niners are virtually unstoppable to beat. But that Niner defense was so much more physical than Dallas. I mean, did you, I've never seen CD Lamb like end up on his back so many times after a catch, whether he's getting driven out of bounds or he's driven backwards, catching the ball inbounds. The Niners defense, they were punishing them. And when, like you said, stat wise, it really doesn't look upside down. But when you just look at, at just the, the physical nature of play, it was all about San Francisco sending a message. It was in, you know, when we talk about the matchups and we compared to defenses, we compared the offenses, huge, huge edge on the sidelines. Okay. Kyle Shanahan versus Mike McCarthy, you know, that, you know, I, I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan. Uh, you know, I made no bones about it. That was a mismatch as far as coaching goes yesterday. And he pushed all the right buttons. I question, his clock management at the end of the first half, you know, like, but yet it's still everything works, you know, worked yeah. out. I still didn't agree with the way he, he did it and let the clock, you know, let you, the clock, let, let it like 38 seconds go yeah. off. I'm like, what are you kidding? You, you got all your timeouts. I mean, what was that all about? Yeah. Again, but they, they didn't make the mistakes yeah. and that was the, the difference of the game other than, you know, the fumble on the punt, which, why he tried to catch the punt the way he he did yeah. that was just totally un- high right yeah now. totally unorthodox you know taking that chance and it backfired but kudos to them and you know moving on to philadelphia as you said yes the dallas defense um is better than philadelphia's i think where san francisco is going to have an edge is I think they'll be able to run the football better than the Giants did against Philadelphia. Problem with with the Giants is they fell behind so fast that they couldn't re, they couldn't keep a game plan that had Barkley is is a focal point. You you go down fourteen nothing in the first two possessions that changes your game plan from the start. And as we joked on Friday. This is not the Minnesota defense this week, okay? How bad really is the Minnesota defense that made Daniel Jones look like, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback for one week, and then you saw the real Daniel Jones again this week? See, and this is where matchups really come into play. I mean, you have to handicap matchups. This was no different than the the other matchups. Now, now, when Philadelphia played the Giants, okay, the 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 Eagles won all three meetings, and we'll throw in. Meeting number two because that was at the end of the season. You know, Giants arresting people, Eagles arresting people. The game really didn't matter. But I went back to that analogy, you know, when they met earlier in the season when the Eagles just whitewashed the Giants. 40, 48 points? I yeah, think yeah, yeah. So what, 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 48 21, or whatever it was. We talked about that on Friday. This was the exact same thing. I mean, you, you just jump out early. You mentioned 14 nothing after two possessions, it was 28 nothing at halftime. And, and it was done. I mean, 38 to seven to final, fly, Eagles fly, 
No contest. I mean, this game was no contest, and this is about matchups. The Giants cannot match up with the Eagles. Talked about the Giants, you know, uh, in, in Vikings the week before at now. Ad nauseum, over and over. It's a good spot for the Giants, okay? And that's why that line, you know, probably should have been around nine or ten. Remember, it was seven and a half in that earlier meeting. And then the Eagles, you know, crushed them by, by 26, 27 points. It's the same line, seven and a half, and the Eagles were at home in a playoff game. So right there, it tells you, like, okay, there, there's something wrong here. Uh, the bottom line is the Giants were outclassed. They were outplayed. Just a bad matchup. Eagles go 3-0 against the Giants this season. And the New York Giants have 227 total yards in a playoff game. You're not going to win any football games by scoring seven and totaling 227 yards. So kudos to the Eagles for showing up, putting their foot on the gas, disposing of the Giants. And, you know, we'll handicap and we'll look at San Francisco in Philadelphia and then the AFC championship game as well, all, all during the week. But, uh, just, you know, kudos for Philadelphia. And I know that the Giants were getting some love because that was another game that had a lot of two way action and people were, were buying into the Giant train. How you know that there was a lot of money on the Giants on the weekend is, as you said, that line was seven and a half. It never went to nine to protect the books against the the teasers. The books will move from seven and a half to nine in a heartbeat if they if they feel they're going to get one sided. And we all joked about it. There wasn't anybody that didn't have the Kansas City Philadelphia teaser on the weekend. That was they were pre printing the tickets. <laughs> you just walked up to the window and said how much you wanted because everybody was playing those teasers. But yet there was enough money on the Giants um, straight in that game that kept them from moving the line to nine to slow the teasers down because they they knew they would get a lot of money come in on the Giants if they put it up at nine. Hmm. Marco D'Angelo in the house here to join us here. Hour number one of the show. Check Esposito will join us next hour from Red Rock, and we'll talk about from the sportsbook perspective, uh, recapping divisional playoff games um, over the weekend uh, in the four games. Uh, one surprise and three doses of reality, as I like to say. That's what we saw in, in the games. And the one surprise um, – really wasn't really much of a surprise when you really think about it, but it was a surprise because the Buffalo Bills were heavy favorites. So I say heavy favorites because the line, you know, went up to six points and we saw this game open at three and a half, go up to six and it was all Buffalo money coming in and Cincinnati wins the game going away 27 to 10. So I think shame on all of us that thought that the Buffalo Bills uh, were, were going to win this game. And, you know, we put so much emphasis, Marco, on having three starters out on the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals, it didn't matter. You had that factor. You had Joe Burrow, who, bottom line, was better than Josh Allen. Uh, the Cincinnati defense was better than the Buffalo Bills defense. And here we go again. You know, sometimes, it, you know, you, you tend to, to forget about, you know, recent play. The 49ers have now won 12 in a row. The Cincinnati Bengals have now won nine in a row, and they've beaten some pretty darn good teams during this run. But I think everybody, including myself, and I'll speak for you too if that's okay, we all bought into the Bengals' offensive line being banged up, and we overvalued Buffalo. And again, we should have paid maybe more close attention to 
what we saw last week with Buffalo barely beat Miami, but we come, we kind of gave them a pass because, okay, they were at home. They were overlooking Miami as, you know, what, 14, 15, 16, 17 point favorites, whatever it was. It was ridiculous. But in the end, Cincinnati, like we said, Philadelphia and Giants, no contest. This was really no contest. It was the most dominating performance. The Philadelphia performance was dominating, but the Giants weren't a good football team. This was two good football teams, and it was a dominating performance. Yes, the three offensive linemen in what I'm going to say here is why I'm kicking myself about the game. And I was on Buffalo. It was a big play for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no bones about it. This was a spot where normally when we talk about injuries, I always say to you, Oh, the injured player theory, you know, but that's nixed whenever there's cluster injuries at one position and this, and people don't understand how important the offensive line is. Now, whatever Buffalo was doing defensively, they look like a team that had never played on snow before. Okay. And you're from Buffalo. If there's anybody that should know how to play okay. in snow, it's the Buffalo Bills. But they were, did they look gingerly? They really looked gingerly, like, especially on the sweeps on running outside where Cincinnati was just, I mean, even when the Bengals runners were going outside, they, they were aggression. It was like, they blocked the snow out. You are right. I noticed that. I'm going, why is this happening? It feels like they're on ice skates. And, and, they, and they are one of the teams, like Pittsburgh and Green Bay, they practice outside. They yeah. practice in these conditions. And we understand Cincinnati's played in these in these kind of uh, conditions before as well, too. But it was night and day the way both of these teams approached it. Buffalo was playing five yards off the receivers. Okay? And when you're playing on a field like that, the receiver has a huge edge. When the field is slick, advantage goes to the offense because your defense is a reaction. You don't know when you're making that reaction. The receiver knows when he's making his cut. You don't. And they were playing way too far off. But again, we got caught up in the offensive line. Here's where the mistake is for me. You know I like to do situational stuff. One of my favorite things in all sports with a good team, how many times have I told you, that team's coming off an uh, an ugly win. I love taking them the next week, okay? Because the market overreacts to what they saw. They got lucky. And when if there was any team that got lucky, I mean, I know Buffalo struggled with Miami, but they still won the game, and they never really you never really thought they were going to lose that game. Cincinnati should have lost the game against Baltimore. We all saw it. There was a fourteen point swing. That one play, that was the difference of the game. So we overreacted to that. But you know where we really over missed the boat is Cincinnati had a chip on their shoulder because they didn't have an opportunity for the home field for that game. They also had a bigger chip on their shoulder that the world said, we've got no shot. They sold 50,000 seats to that neutral field. AFC championship game that could only be Kansas City Buffalo. Did you see the Cincinnati Bengals official Twitter? Uh, the minute that game was over said, don't forget to get your refunds for the AFC championship game. Okay. That's, that's bulletin board material for the team. And they played with, they played with something, some emphasis and kudos to them. And it was just an absolute bad play by, by me, you, and yep, a lot of yep, other people. Yep, you and I were both on Buffalo, hurt, hurt, hurt as badly again. And we thought, okay, that, uh, you know, Buffalo's going to bounce back. 
And but the bottom line was Joe Burrow was better than Josh Allen, and we're starting to see a little bit more of a trend here with Josh Allen. Um, again, a, a little reckless. The decision making uh, was not there. Seriously, it, it, it Joe Burrow just was so much better with Josh Allen in every aspect. The way he commanded his team, the way uh, just from dropping back to. Um, you know, to to his his laser pinpoint passing, he was he was phenomenal. I mean, he he was a better quarterback. And now, after now seeing Burrow do this time and time again over the last couple seasons, I'm starting to believe that you know he is better than Josh Allen. And you know, he's right there behind Patrick Mahomes and not too many others at this point in time. So I, I got to give the Bengals all the credit in the world. And that chip on the shoulder that you're talking about, Marco, we did talk about that. About remember that the Bengals, you know, ever since the Demar Hamlin situation, and everything, you know, they wanted to, you know, be respective and you know all of that stuff towards the Bills, but they were upset. They were upset. I mean, remember they're doing the coin flip, uh, you know, stuff and the dances, you know, in the end zone, you know, the week before against Baltimore and everything. And I will tell you how how much of a uh, chip on the shoulder this team will continue to carry with them next week is if Buffalo got a chance to finish that game against Buffalo, you know, the one um, where it was postponed, and they won that game, they're hosting this game. Now they've got to go to Kansas City because remember the tiebreaker? Cincinnati beat Kansas City during the regular season back on December the 4th. Mm -hmm. Kansas City would have home field advantage, but because they don't have... The, you know, the same number of games. They didn't get that opportunity. But if just say we want to play this game here and that's what's going on in that Cincinnati Bengals locker room this week and last week and the week before, it's like, okay, we get that W. Now, you know, we played 17 games. Oh, we tied with Kansas City. We both have 15 wins, you know, or 14 wins at the end of the regular season. Head to head, we beat them. That this game should probably be in Cincinnati. And don't you think that they know that? And the Buffalo Bills could have used that bulletin board material with the coin flip stuff and all this, but they didn't, you know? But the bottom line is they were outplayed. They were outcoached. Outcoached big time. He never made any adjustments. That, that was the problem with the defense. Burrow had a great game. No question about it. But we can't argue the fact this is three backups, you know, people on the line. They got, they didn't get pressure on Joe Burrow. They didn't change their defensive scheme. They continued to play off the players, uh, too far. And let's talk about Chase. Chase to Burrow is, you know, these two guys played in college. You know, it's, it's something when you, you have that chemistry. Every great quarterback, you know, Brady had Gronk whenever, you know, a play broke down. He knew where Gronk was going to go and Gronk knew where he needed to go. That's what you're seeing. Same thing with Edelman yeah. back in the day. Yeah. You know, you, you have that, that type of connection. And yeah. they've got that. That's something in Mahomes. Give him credit for everything they did this year because he had to do it. He lost his best weapon. People forget. Okay. Yeah. They picked up, you know, Juju uh, Smith Schuster from Pittsburgh. That's not. Tyreek Hill. You and I eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the re- that was the replacement, you know, that wasn't yeah. it. They got a, a good, you know, rookie, but this is a spot where the big question is going to be the health of uh Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, what an effort give him. I mean, you every time he threw the football, when he landed on his plant foot, you he was in pain. 
And he still was making plays, throwing basically off of one leg. It's going to be an interesting game. And that's why you're seeing the line what it is right now. In, you know, I'm sure you can, when you talk to Chuck later, be a question with him. If later in the week we're confirmed that Patrick Mahomes is going to play, this line's going to flip back. Mm, right. The play right now is because, you know, we always talk about the proper teaser, the long teasers and that. The play right now is to take Kansas City and San Francisco, and you might end up waiting till game day. And if he has, you know, gets to practice a couple times this week and it's good, it's going to flip. You're it's going to flip. You're going to lose that value. Yeah. Then you can come back with another teaser yeah. and ha- you can have seven and a half on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very chill. All right. Marco D'Angelo in the house when we come back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the latest on the uh, Patrick Mahomes injury. We'll talk about the game on Saturday as well, too, with the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll dive into that. Also talk about some total stuff as well, too. All four unders cash tickets as well on uh, Saturday and Sunday. But a whole lot more to talk about. A little Monday afternoon quarterback edition of the T.C. Martin Show. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Make sure you join us each and every Friday at the Westgate Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook. We are there each and every Friday afternoon, our Friday home. Gotta love the Westgate, and... Uh, It'll be popping this weekend, of course. Saturday, full day of uh, college basketball. The NBA a little bit later on. And then Sunday, it is NFL Championship Games. We have got the AFC and the NFC Championships. Uh, Remember, the action starts at noon. The uh, very first game will be the Niners and the Eagles in Philadelphia. That'll uh, kick off at 12 noon. And 3.30, the AFC Championship Game which will feature the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, so a great place uh, to watch the games. And, of course, come by, see the show live each and every Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. You can always catch me, my tag team partner, Marco D'Angelo, who is in the house with us here today on this Monday afternoon quarterback uh, edition. But uh, always great to have you on the bookends, <laughs> the the Monday through Friday. And uh, just shout-out to Marco because we talk about this – a lot, you, you and I, and, and I do appreciate because you are very transparent. Uh, you're a professional handicapper. Uh, your plays, you know, are out there for uh, subscription to uh, to clients and everything. And um, you know, you you wear your 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 picks on your sleeve, and you know, you you deliver them out early. But if it doesn't go your way, you talk about them when they don't go uh, that way. And uh, that is. Uh, very respectable, as we know, and in in your industry, that's not always the norm. It's not always the case. It's yeah. Uh, the word you don't get I the hate, transparency. You don't get it. I hate the word tout because yeah. everybody throws that around. You know, like you know, that's a word that's to the entire industry, and it's not. There's a lot of respectable uh, guys out there, and hey, you know what? We're going to be wrong uh, many times, but we've shown, and you know, not to blow my own, but on this show. The last two years, we've got a great record, you know, with plays that we're giving away for free. And many of those have been my client plays. I mean, I, because it's a, it's a, people think when you throw, 
you know, a free play on all that. Does, not, no, I want to beat you, TC. I want to. <laughs> uh, there's no bones about it. I'm coming with the heat when I come. <laughs> He's coming with the heat, but he keeps having to go to the wallet to, a lot to, for the for the food bets, though. But that's okay. It's funny. So I mentioned, you know, yesterday uh, with Double B in, in, in the crew, and, and great to see our Cosmopolitan uh, gang when we do get together. And one of the first things Double B asked me, he goes, "Okay, so." Has Marco caught Trevor yet? <laughs> and he was asking me that. And I said, I said, they are neck and neck right now. And I said, and uh, if you listen to the show on Friday, uh, you know that Marco was giving me the business and let me know that, uh, that, uh, that he, uh, was, was well ahead of me this year. <laughs> there you go. I hadn't noticed. Really? <laughs> I, I I heard somebody say it Friday, and I believe it was uh, you. Okay, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to do like those commercials. Go to the tape, and- <laughs> but Nubchuck, did I ever blast this guy last year, or the year before, and saying like, oh, you know, you have to catch me, you know? No, I didn't. You, know, never. you, never, you never heard me say that. But some guys, but it, it all comes out today because I want to be you, TC. <laughs> Hey, nothing wrong with that. I love it, man. It, I love it. It, it. We have so much fun. And when yeah. Jay's on the show on Fridays, that you know, that when the three of us get together, <laughs> it's just <laughs> we have so much fun. <laughs> it's all I can say. It is. It is, <laughs> it, it is fun. And uh so Jay was uh oh. was texting me on, on uh on, over the weekend too, and he's going, This is why I don't bet. <laughs> uh all right, so let's talk about Saturday's game. Um the Chiefs and the Jaguars. Uh, the Patrick Mahomes injury, obviously uh, a scare uh, in this game. So this is this is the talk. And for people in Kansas City or people that bet Kansas City that were laying up to as many as nine and a half points on Saturday afternoon, you were thinking, uh-oh, here we go. So the first thing that, that came into my mind was, uh-oh, who's the backup? And I go, wait, that's Chad Henney. And I, I don't know. I'm not saying this after the fact, but I'm going like, Henney's okay. That the, it's good to have a veteran backup and Chad Henney at home. He will be okay because we have seen him in relief of Mahomes before. Right. We've seen Henney in other situations and other stops, whether it's been Miami or other, other places. And he's a great stop gap and give Chad Henney credit because he hasn't played a meaningful snap in two, three months. I mean, more than maybe even that. And he came in there with the ball on their own two yard line. And engineered a 98-yard drive and took the Chiefs down to a touchdown. And and he completed a couple big third-down passes deep in his own territory. And then he got the job done. They went into halftime. And Mahomes came back gingerly, but still had enough to get the job done. But I just want to say that. I mean, kudos to Chad Henney. Because we've seen it, Marco, too many times. It doesn't matter if it's in the NFL and especially in college. When you lose your quarterback in college, and we saw it in the Rose Bowl in the Utah game, forget about it. It goes sideways in a hurry. It goes backwards. And this thing could have gone backwards with a Jacksonville team who came in you know, on a big win streak themselves. And they had a lot of mojo. Because you talk about stats in that Niner game. Uh, Niner and, and Cowboy game were being identical. You go back and you look at the stats of this game of Kansas City and Jacksonville, it was identical. It really was, except there was one column that you need to look at. Jacksonville, two turnovers. Kansas City, none. The fumble. The fumble was the the game. And uh, two two observations from that game. You give Chad Henney a lot of credit for engineering that drive. Let's give Andy Reid credit for how many coaches, when you're 
all all world quarterback goes out and you're at your two yard line, they're handing the ball off three times and just punting and trying, you know, to regain the momentum. He kept, he let it go. And so I give Andy Reid credit. But as you know, I like to do TC. I'm usually at a bar chowing down some chicken wings, watching games. And it's amazing when it was a 10 point game with 40 some seconds left. I knew that the field goal was coming. You know, and everybody in a bar that had Kansas City is like just losing their mind because they're trotting the field goal kicker out down 10 with 40 some seconds. The backdoor cover. But that's what you, you want to extend the game as long as you can. You need a touchdown and a field goal. It's fourth and seven or fourth and eight. You got to take the, you got to take the field goal in that spot. I knew it was going to happen, but yet it's funny to watch people that just don't understand. The game in the math and what, you know, needs to be done. Really? They didn't see that coming? No. No. They're like, what? What? Will, They're will, down 10. They need a touchdown. Like, Why are they kicking a field goal? You still need a touchdown in a field goal, no matter how you do it. No, we knew it was coming. Yeah. That, that's it. You know, again, once you get past the 50 and you're mm-hmm. approaching the 40, you're, you're just thinking, okay, I got Kansas City and I'm laying this, you know, eight and a half, nine, nine, whatever, and, and we're done. I mean, it's because they, you know, had that 10 point lead, you know, for a good portion of that game, but you just kind of knew, okay, here comes the prevent defense. You know who was not happy about that final score? Our very good friend and our other handicapper extraordinaire, yeah. Scott Spicer. Yeah. And I had to hear about that from him. You know, and he's like, <laughs> he goes, no way they deserve to cover that number. There's no way. There's no way. People got lucky. He's right. He's right. But, you know, people cash it. And then you talk to those people. It's like, hey, man, winner's a winner. I cashed it. And, and then you could come back and say, you didn't deserve to cash that ticket. You know? If but he doesn't fumble. If it, he doesn't fumble yeah, when they're inside, what, I, were they inside the 15 or yeah. the 10 when he fumbled? Right. Yeah, right. That's. But, yeah, Kansas City should have covered the game. But this is what we get. And how many times have we talked about it? The Kansas City Chiefs not putting their the pedal to the metal. But in this situation, different. Your starting quarterback is hurt. I'm telling you, if it was a regular season game, Patrick Mahomes wouldn't even have come back. Wouldn't have come back. And he's still limping around there. He's playing on a like a high ankle sprain. Like you like you said, high ankle sprain is no joke. That's the that's the worst injury that that you could have. I mean, it's like okay, you know, it's it's it it really is bad, you know. But you know, if you have a a broken bone or something like that, a torn tendon, I mean, you're out. There's no question, you're you're out. But the high ankle sprain is like, well, I think I can play. I want to play, and you saw the. You know, back and forth with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the trainer for the Chiefs. And Mahomes said, no, I'm good. I'm not coming out of this playoff game. This is a playoff game. I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out. And I thought Mahomes was going to win the argument. And then all of a sudden we look at the sideline. Here comes a jacket, throws it down, disgusted, and runs back to the locker room. And he comes back. And because what Mahomes is trying to say is, we can check it out at halftime. We don't need this. Mm -hmm. And then Henny engineered the drive. There's Patrick Mahomes on the sideline when Henny came off, man, right on, man, way to go. You know, they even had a timeout there where, you know, big play call was coming up and, and Patrick's right there with, with, with Henny. And that was, uh, really cool. But, you know, Mahomes ended up uh, coming back, but he was nowhere close to a hundred percent. So that is going to be the big, the big question mark as this week progresses. And that's what a leader does. Uh, if you're listening, Lamar Jackson, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he wanted to be on the field. And when he wasn't on the field, he was on the sidelines helping Chad Henney through, through the game when he wasn't right. on the field. It, it, like, yeah, I can't belabor the point 
<laughs> you know how I feel about Lamar Jackson yeah. last week. Yeah. But this came down to the Chiefs having the experience and not turning the ball over. And there, and there you have it. But now this sets up a couple really good football games coming up this week. I'm really looking forward to the, to both championship games. And when you talk about the Chiefs and the Bengals, and you, you know this because I know you pointed this out that the Chiefs have won the last three matchups. And no, since he has, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cincinnati has won the last three matchups, right? And, if you go back to the last two matchups, which I was focusing on, going back to the regular, you know, season game this year and the uh AFC championship game last year, all right, both final scores, 27-24. Mm-hmm. And both determined by a Kansas City mistake. Okay, you go back to the game uh this year, you had the uh, the Kelsey fumble, all right? This game that game was in Cincinnati. And they lost 27-24. You go back to the AFC Championship game, the more important of the two, and you had what the, the Tyreek uh, fumble, you know, mishap, uh, or, as well at, at the end of that game. And that game went into overtime and the Chiefs got the coin toss, were going down the field, turned it over. And Joe Burrow connected to Jamar Chase. We talked about that connection earlier, went down, kicked the game winning field goal. Next thing you know, Cincinnati Bengals win that game and they go to the Super Bowl. So there's something to be said here about the Chiefs having, I'd rather, I keep saying, I'm sorry, the Bengals having the Chiefs number here. And then you go back to the 2021 regular season where the Bengals won that game as well. Yeah. That's three in a row, my friend. Three in a row, close games, all determined by the team that turns the ball over the least wins. And as I said to you off air, we were talking about, Everybody thought the rivalry, you know, you had Brady and Manning, then you had Brady and Mahomes, the passing of the torch to the goat from one goat to the other goat. And we thought that new rivalry was going to be Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. No, it's Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, this is going to be fun. But if you do remember last year's playoff game, the AFC championship game, I think can't, and I remember the game because I, I had a small play, not a big play. I had a play on Cincinnati. I was going against Kansas City because I felt, and everybody that leading into that game said that the divisional game before was the champion. Super Bowl yeah, championship. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Because nobody gave Cincinnati any credit at all, and they came in there. And let's face it, you saw it this year. Remember the uh, the game with uh, Buffalo and Minnesota? Minnesota had that huge comeback against Buffalo. The next week, they laid an egg. Right. Okay? And I think that's kind of what happened last year. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully, all hands are on deck for both teams, and we see what happens. But I'll tell you what. This is a budding rivalry uh, with these two. And one last thing on the Jacksonville. We always talk about the quarterbacks that it's a, it's a process. You, you get to the next level, then, you know, you go so far, you stub your toe. We saw that with Patrick Mahomes the first couple of years he went against New England. Couldn't get over that, that hurdle. Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the future's pretty bright and they've got the best coach down there yes. for that quarterback. In Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, did you see the, the clip when they, after they came off the field losing that game? Trevor Lawrence was like first guy in the tunnel, but he stopped and turned around and had something to say, handshake, fist pump, whatever, to every one of his teammates going yeah. by at the end of that game. Again, that's what leaders do. Yeah. And again, 
uh, a very smart kid coming from a very good program, Dabo Sweeney in Clemson. Don't don't take that for granted. You know, a little bit different from here we go from Lamar Jackson coming out of Louisville. Seriously, I put a lot of stock, you know, into that. Okay, Brock Purdy is a guy who set numerous records in college when he was at Iowa State, and this guy threw for a ton of yards and played under Matt Campbell and. Granted, Iowa State, pretty good football program, but you know, not at the, the level of Clemson or Alabama. But something to be said, just, you know, when you're used to winning and when you're used to, you know, kind of playing, you know, turnover free football and being kind of smart, that goes a long way. And that's what we're seeing with Purdy. And you know what we always talk about, you know, at least I talk about is that you, you get with a, a team that's in a good system, has a good hierarchy from president to, you know, to ownership to president to general manager to head coach to tutelage and getting all of that lined up. It's not out of the realm that Purdy could end up like a Brady or somebody like that. It's, it's not out of the realm at all because, you know, this guy isn't Brett Favre where he's coming in and just slinging the ball and making mistakes. You know, he's being very calculated. And we go back to that play, Marco, where you know he found, um, you know, Kittle not on that play, but there was like one of his first or second passes of the entire game. I don't know if it was Kittle or Ayuk, I- where he hit him like on a string mm-hmm. in stride for about twenty plus yards. Like, oh, he's coming out firing. I mean, beautiful spiral, and he just reared back and fired it with confidence. Those are the things that I look at, and and, and you have that type of maturity that this kid is only going to get better and better and better, and we're seeing that from Lawrence. Because Trevor Lawrence, he went into that situation, was a dumpster fire. I mean, he was going to be on his back. We knew he was going to be on his back under Urban Meyer. You know, it was a mess. And now one year removed from where Jacksonville is now, and kudos to Doug Peterson, yeah, they're going to be good. And Doug Peterson, where'd he come from? Oh, yeah, protege along with Andy Reid under, you know, you, you got to go back to Mike Holmgren and, you know, Mike Sherman, all those guys. I remember Doug Peterson when he was Brett Favre's backup, rarely got on the field. I remember I was with Doug Peterson then. I was with Doug Peterson as the quarterback coach for Brett Favre and, and, and going on with Aaron Rodgers in, in Green Bay, then offensive coordinator and that sort of thing. So Doug Peterson has got it going on. This guy, he has taken so much from his predecessors, those got his mentors. And when you look at Andy Reid, you look at Doug Peterson, their offenses are two of the same. So I, I'm with you. Kudos to Jacksonville. Kudos to Doug Peterson. I like this team. One last thing on Brock Purdy that I think helped that you, you use the word maturity a lot. You don't see it in college football very often anymore. He was four year guy. Yes. Four year. Yep. And you, you know, again, it wasn't prime. You know, uh, conference. I mean, it was the Big 12, but there's no defense in the Big 12. He's never looked that good at at Iowa State. I know because I I had a lot of bets on uh, Iowa State. You know, you would scratch your head when you get into a 15-10 game. How how did this happen? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) with with that offense. Yes. Uh, Kudos to them, and uh, we'll see what happens this week. Unders four and zero, real quick. Uh, And again, the, the games on Sunday. I mean, never threatened no. the over. I mean, they, they, those those were dead unders. Coming off 
the week before where you had nothing but overs here. So it'll be interesting to see where these lines, I see where they're, they're sitting right now, but seeing where they get adjusted to considering weather, uh, as we get weather forecasts in the next, you know, four or five days and uh, injuries and everything else that take place. But it'll be interesting to see where these totals go. We talked about it Friday. There's always an overreaction. The market is, you know, like I said, nobody's going to want to bet unders last week. And that's, that was the way to go. Did I think all four would go under? No, but, uh, I definitely wasn't surprised with, you know, three of the four. And I said one of the games that I liked the under on Saturday, but I said, you're going to have to hold your breath is Jacksonville, Kansas City. That total was 53. Yeah. Okay. For a playoff game. And remember, we talked about the different setup for the playoffs in round one. There were mismatches in round one because of the, the playoff format with only one team having the buy. Uh, so. That resulted in some of the overs, in my opinion, the first week. And then we saw the better teams. We get to play off football, which is generally more defensive. All right. And one other uh, note uh, there as well, too, is that uh, Chad Henney's passer rating, 114.9. Patrick Mahomes, 112.5. So uh, it's, it's great to have a backup like that. And who knows? I mean, if Patrick Mahomes is going to get the start, Henny could be called on again. And of all the backup quarterbacks, I got I got faith in, in Henny. There's no doubt. All right. Marco D'Angelo in the house. Wagertalk.com. All right. It's up to you, Marco. You can hang. You could you could jet. You can do I, I don't know if uh, you ate lunch already. Run, Marco. Run. Run. <laughs> I, I I got a feeling. See, if Marco didn't eat yet, then he's out of here. I yeah. know. But you know, if he can hang, you know, you can hang. I, I didn't eat, but I got a big business dinner later, so I'm not hungry. I'm saving for that. <laughs> Going to a steakhouse, but uh, yeah, I'll hang with you. You can admit, you know, you miss me. I, I do. I, I do. You know, exactly. But I, I hate it when we were both on the same, you know, losing side, you know. But at least I got, you know, I got some consoling. You know, we console each other there. You know, there it is. All right. But uh, yeah, thank goodness for the San Francisco 49ers. So, to bail me out of my misery because after that Buffalo game, I, I wasn't feeling too good, my friend. I know you weren't either, but... I told you what happened yeah. to me later in the day. I too. know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Chuck Esposito is going to join us next hour, and then uh, we've got more uh, football recap, and we'll talk some college hoops. And I want you, to, Marco, to hang around as well, too, because we got to talk Vegas Golden Knights, too. What we saw over the weekend between Saturday and Sunday. We're going to hit that and a whole lot more. Glad to have you with us on this quarterback edition on a Monday afternoon. Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. Doctor is now in. Hour number two on this Monday edition. You never know what you're going to get. Plain and simple. Especially when Marco D'Angelo is in the house. Marco joins us on, joins us on Monday and Friday. 
That's how Mark was feeling after the uh, the Dallas Cowboys San Francisco 49 game. Please, please stop, stop. Because uh, some of us had a winner in the San Francisco game. All right, there it is. All right, we continue on hour number two, talking NFL. Playoff football, the divisional round yesterday. We're going to talk to our good friend Chuck Esposito at Red Rock and how that went uh, for the sports books. And also a look ahead at the AFC and NFC Championship Games coming up on Sunday. Looking forward to that, no doubt about it. All right, we'll talk a little VGK this hour as well, too. Marco in the house, he's going to hang with us for this hour, so appreciate that. Marco D'Angelo, of course, at wagertalk.com. Go to, go to Wager Talk and get Marco's uh, selections. Doesn't matter the sport. You know, and uh, he's uh, on fire as well right now in the NBA and college hoops. That's about right, isn't it? You know, we've been nice, nice run, seventeen and six, but three of the three of the six losses came yesterday. No, that's okay. <laughs> Full disclosure: we we tell you when we win, we tell you when we lose. We'll talk about some hoops uh, next segment. But right now, let's uh, go out to Red Rock and talk to our good friend Chuck Esposito. Chuck, what's going on, brother? All good, T. Just uh, getting ready for the two championship games this weekend. We now know the. Final four are, and uh, I don't think it's a big surprise. Maybe since he a tiny bit, but I don't think the other three are a big surprise. And since he looked awfully good uh, over the weekend, no, they did, Chuck. And that's what I say. You know, basically, you got one surprise, and like you said, it was one mild surprise. And then we had three doses of reality, and and the reality being that you know Philadelphia and San Francisco, especially those two teams, are reminding you, hey. How good we are. I mean, we're, we're good. Uh, we, you know, the San Francisco 49ers have won 12 games in a row for a reason. And Philly, you know, a lot of people, you know, were kind of like reserving judgment on the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, they were number seven seed last year. They kind of faltered at, at the end of the regular season. Of course, a lot of that tied into the injury to Jalen Hurts. But as we know, Chuck, there were a lot of people that were on the Giants this past week. They wanted to take, you know, seven and a half points. And Philadelphia said, hey, here's a little reality. We're the number one seed. And, uh, you know, we're going to come out and spank you. And they did by jumping out to that 28 nothing halftime lead to win uh, 38-7. to But that's the way I kind of saw it. Uh, and like you mentioned, you know, the, the Chiefs, they hung in there as well, too. But you're right. Let's start with the Bengals, Chuck. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they are a very, very good football team. And it just seemed like you guys got a lot of Buffalo Bills money over the weekend. Yeah, I think, to, you know, number one, keeping all four games under uh, was huge for our side of the counter. Um, I, I think you look at Cincinnati and in their game coming up with Kansas City, uh, you know, they do everything better than what Jacksonville did. And Jacksonville, you know, had their shots against Kansas City. Kansas City, outside of Mahomes and Kelsey, didn't do much offensively. Um, you look at Cincinnati, the way they dominated against Buffalo. I mean, the, the, their worst offensive, you know, outing of the season, Buffalo yardage-wise, uh, at home in that weather, and they couldn't take advantage of it. Cincinnati jumped on them early, uh, you know, dominated throughout the course of the game, had a touchdown call back. But this Bengal team's been really, really good. I mean, we have to remember that they were in the Super Bowl last year. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at kind of what, where we saw sharp money over the last, you know, two months of the season on the future book, a lot of it came in on Cincinnati. So a lot of people believe in this team. I think now the fact that you've got a quarterback in Patrick Mahomes that's not 100%, we see this number that continue to kick, uh, tick up higher and higher on Cincinnati. We were an outlier early in the day when you saw Cincinnati the favorite and then that number creeping up, and everyone pretty much has followed suit. Um, because of that. So, I mean, it, it's a Bengal team that's really good. And, and I think w- with the injury to Mahomes, I think that clearly could be the difference maker. And you have to remember, in Joe Burrow's career, the Cincinnati Bengals are 3-0 and 
against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, we know that, uh, Chuck. And how about the last two games? Identical scores, 27-24, and really coming down to to the turnovers in the end by Kansas City, which uh, got the Bengals it was a two narrow three-point uh, victories. But uh, we'll, we'll dive into that here in a minute. I wanted to kind of recap these games with you, Chuck, you know, one by one since we're talking about, you know, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Um, we know that this game, you know, closed at, you know, at Buffalo six, and we saw, you know, the line move up and, you know, steady, steady. Uh, I know that you guys had to be Bengals fans, you know, yesterday with that game. Uh, how one sided were the tickets or, or, or was that, you know, maybe not the case, you know, with Buffalo? No, we were clearly, um, Bengal fans in that game, T. Um, you know, we needed the game under, we needed the Bengals, you know, Bengal outright win was better. Uh, sharp money was clearly on the Bills. Um, but the ticket counts favored Cincinnati. Uh, I'm really impressed with, with the Bengals, though. I mean, defensively, they played arguably their best game of the year. You've got those two big wideouts in Chase and Higgins. Hurst got into the mix. Uh, Mixon got into the end zone, which he only scored, I think, once since week 11. But I was really re- impressed with them defensively. Uh, and that, to me, was the big difference maker. But we were Bengal fans, and uh, I, I can't stress enough, though, uh, the biggest piece of the weekend was keeping these four games under. Uh, which really was favorable for our side of the counter. You're right, four and zero on the on the underside, and the games on Sunday not even close uh, to coming. You know, towards an over you know, there. I mean, all all four. Um, you know, you know, cash, and like I said, it's just you know the most of the public loves betting these overs. Yeah, they do, and, and especially what you saw, kind of. You know, the college bowl games, um, the way that uh, toward the end you saw a lot of games go over. You saw the wild card round. You had a, a high percentage of the games go over. And I think just with the offenses that were on the field, the last time that, you know, uh, Philly and Dallas played, the way that game, you know, was scored and went over, I think everyone expected um, a lot more scoring than you got. But, I mean, you have to remember the old adage about, you know, defense wins championships. We know offense is pretty and it's exciting and it's dynamic and people love to watch it, but it really is defense that, that ultimately wins championships. And I thought both Dallas and San Francisco played great uh, defense yesterday. The difference maker really was that a young quarterback in Brock Purdy outplayed Dak Prescott. I mean, Prescott's two turnovers, were, one was in their own red zone, one was in um, uh, Dallas, in, uh, in the Philadelphia's red zone, or San Francisco's red zone. And, you know, you just can't make turnovers like that. I, I was really impressed with, with kind of the poise of, of Purdy late in the game. I thought he played a really good game, you know, all things considering. I mean, this team's on a big-time winning streak right now. Um, you know, he was the guy, I think, that we worried about in a close game, in a game where, you know, they weren't as dominant as they had been the second half of the season against kind of the lower echelon of the league. Um, but he played great, you know, even though he was sacked a number of times, he didn't have big yardage stats. I was really impressed with the poise of Brock Purdy. And, and again, he, he clearly outplayed uh, his counterpart with Dallas. On the flip side, Dallas, they can run the ball. We know that, um, you know, they had the injury at running back, of course, uh, yesterday to Pollard. They can run the ball. They can flat out play defense as well. Um, but they're a team that needs to get better quarterback play. And, you know, we touched on it last week. Prescott still led the league in interceptions, although he missed five games. And those two interceptions yesterday were clearly the difference maker uh, in them losing and not coming out with a victory in San Francisco. No, you're right. And, you know, turnovers uh, will kill you. And that was the case with, with Kansas City and Jacksonville. When you look at the stats on both of those games, Kansas City, Jacksonville, and San Francisco and Dallas, they're pretty much even. If you just, you know, didn't look at the final score, you'd say, wow, this, this had to be a very, very, you know, you know, close game here. And, uh, the bottom line was you, you had the, the interceptions by Prescott and then you had the two turnovers. 
uh, by Jacksonville. That's that's what cost them. And Kansas City, you know, you know, took took care of the football, and San Francisco pretty much did themselves as well, except for the Ray Ray McLeod fumble. But he kind of you know atoned for that later with the long kickoff return. Uh, you know, you, back to San Francisco, Chuck. You know, we talk about Brock Purdy. This guy, I think, that was the big test for uh, including myself. I was like, okay, he's facing probably the toughest defense that he's faced all season long, and. He passed the test there. I mean, and again, what San Francisco does, they're putting Kittle all over the field and Debo Samuel, the same thing. And you got Brandon Ayuk and then you got McCaffrey and hand the ball off to him or, you know, get him, you know, swinging out of the backfield and Brock Purdy did not make any mistakes. And people can joke all they want talking about game manager or whatever, but this is a young kid who has the maturity level right now that just really stands out to me. And this is why San Francisco is who they are and why they've won 11 in a row, because they are consistent, they are smart, and they were clearly the more physical team yesterday against the Cowboys. I thought they both were pretty physical, team, but but I agree with you. I mean, the turnovers really make the difference, I think, at this time of the year. And I know that it was going to be a hard-pressed anyway for Dallas on that last drive to go down and score a touchdown. Number one, I, I question their last actual play of the game. But if you remember, their, their first play on that last drive really should have been a pick six. Um, it, it was dropped. Um, it would have been his third interception. I don't know how San Francisco did. I don't remember which player it was, but that should have been a pick six. So, But I think in Purdy's case, you know, when you have a team that is so good defensively and they gave up the fewest amount of points the entire season, you've got a great skill position nucleus. The the acquisition of McCaffrey really solidified, you know, the running game. Um uh you still have Elijah Mitchell. And then on the wideouts, when you've got a guy like Ayuk and of course you've got Debo Samuel, and then the relationship between Kittle um and, and Purdy right now is so strong that you've got all the pieces there. You're just asking Purdy, don't turn the ball over, don't make that costly mistake. And we're going to have a chance to win. And that's clearly what he's done. I think on the other side of the field, they have that. You've got two really good running backs. You've got CeeDee Lamb. You've got Schultz at tight end. You've got a defense led by Micah Parsons. You're just asking Dak, don't make the mistakes. And and he made the mistakes. And a young quarterback who hasn't lost yet and hasn't turned the ball over didn't. And I think that's the difference. And that's why we're talking about San Francisco playing next Sunday um, in Philadelphia. Chuck Esposito joins us at Red Rock. Uh, Chuck, executive director of the station Casino Properties. Uh, Chuck, let's talk a little bit about the Patrick Mahomes injury. And when we saw him limp off, uh, and thank goodness we talked about this, you know, last hour that you have a veteran like Chan Henney who came in here and engineered that 98 yard touchdown drive. So huge for the Chiefs, you know, and again, especially come playoff time here when you lose a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that could be death for you, but to kudos to Henney, kudos to Andy Reid, uh, for being able to, to manage that situation. When we came to halftime and there really was a lot of question marks on whether Mahomes is going to come back or not, uh, was that a tough halftime line to make? It definitely was. I mean, when, you know, I, I think the, the impact of the quarterback, and I know we've chatted about this, T, um, it, it's dramatic to the line, and especially when you've got a quarterback of, of Patrick Mahomes um, and, and Chad Henney. He's been in the league for a long time, I think 15 years. Um, you know, most of those as a backup, hasn't had a lot of playing time this year. 
Um, it's a huge difference, you know, and, and even you're seeing that, I think, with the Bengals now the favorite um, in, in the late game on Sunday. And I think that number is going to continue to creep up even even higher than where it currently is because you have a Patrick Mahomes that's not 100%. And you've got a Cincy defense that really was smothering against Josh Allen. So I think that number is going to go up. And, you know, if he's not starting this game, if right now they said that you're not going to see um, Patrick Mahomes, this number would clearly shoot up to, you know, probably closer to, you know, four and a half, five, maybe even six. You know, that's what the drop-off is, you know, from Mahomes to, to Chad Henney. And and it would have probably been higher from the very beginning if you knew that, but, you you, you know, the Kansas City actually opened the favorite, but it's, it's huge when you're talking about guys like, you know, Hertz or, or Burrow or Allen or Mahomes. There is a huge drop-off um, to the backup quarterback. And, and this league, who is, is so quarterback-driven, um, for the most part, teams don't have a, a backup that's nearly as capable as the starter. I guess unless you're San Francisco and you can go to your third-string quarterback and Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, who's just been phenomenal. <laughs> and, and news coming out of San Francisco today, I mean, it just I mean, it really has nothing to do with the game, but it's funny that we get this today. We haven't heard Jimmy Garoppolo's name mentioned at all, and now the Niners are saying that um, that Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, going to have x-rays uh, tomorrow. He's not expected to practice this week, but... Uh, I don't think anyone's thinking or talking or want to hear about Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco right now. It's all about Brock Purdy, especially now it seems like, Chuck, everybody's comparing him to Tom Brady. Hey, we got a sixth-round pick, seventh-round pick. But you know what? It's You know, what he did yesterday against Dallas, and even though they were at home and everything, we know Dallas is a little little, little schizo. I mean, they do have a, a top-notch defense, and Purdy accounted himself exceptionally well, as as we've already said. But uh yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm looking. Looking. I mean, he that. he did see. Not that he was phenomenal. No, you know. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's the, the best quarterback performance we've ever seen. But I, I really think that you know he he does show a lot of poise. He doesn't panic. He hasn't turned the ball over. And I think the biggest thing is that he went to a situation that is great for any young quarterback. You know, you see so many young quarterbacks come to this league who are highly drafted, and they're going to a team that is drafting them because they're not a very good team. They're a young quarterback that is expected to be the savior from day one for not a very good team. Purdy was able to start for a team that had a great nucleus of skill position players, a good coach, you know, offensive-minded quarterback coach, and a phenomenal defense. So you couldn't have asked for a better spot for a young quarterback. Now, does he still have to excel in that role and, and, and manage the game right and not turn it over? Absolutely. But he's done a great job of doing that. So, Chuck, let's talk a little bit about uh, the other games there over the weekend. Uh, we talked about Kansas City in, in Jacksonville. Uh, the Cincinnati-Buffalo game, uh, we mentioned that, where it was really no contest. And really, it, the Philadelphia Eagles was no contest as well, too. What kind of ticket count was there with that? Because we really didn't see much line movement in the Eagle-Giant game. We saw seven and a halfs, and it seemed to just to stay there. Was that pretty much accurate? Actually, T, it did tick up to eight and a half. Um, we saw some late sharp action, and the public was clearly on the Eagles late. Early action, early sharp was in the Giants. Ticket counts did favor the Giants, but as we got closer and closer to, to kickoff of that late game on Saturday, you started to see um, a lot more Eagle money show. Um, so, you know, th- that buy helped them. Hurts looked like the Hurts late in the season before the injury. I mean, he, he looked great with some of those deep passes that he threw. He still had the running touchdown. 
Um, it really is going to be an interesting NFC title game when you've got San Francisco's defense against one of the top two offenses in the league in Philadelphia. Uh, Eagles are a small favorite. It, it's a tough place to go play. I think when you talk about some of the tougher venues in the league, you're going to put Philly and, and Kansas City, you know, at least in your top five. And I think KC's probably one or two. Um, so it, it does present some problems, I think, for the other teams. But uh, it was good to see Hurts back and the way he played. And I'm, I'm anxious to see the way that game is ultimately bet. We saw some early play on the Eagles. We've seen some late money now. I shouldn't say late, but secondary money now. You know, it's Monday come in on the on the Niners. But uh, um, it, it's going to be an interesting game, I think, with the offense-defense dynamic of these two teams. Yeah, no question about it. And especially with uh, the Niners' defense and the Philadelphia defense, you know, right behind San Francisco. The line currently sits at Philadelphia two and a half total in this one, 45 and a half. Uh, that'll be the first game on Sunday. Again, this game will be in Philadelphia. It's a battle of the top two seeds. We talk about the young quarterbacks, the battle of defenses. Uh, here's one for you, Chuck. And I don't know if uh, you remember this or Marco may re- remember this, but these two quarterbacks actually faced off against each other going back, I think it was, what, three years ago when they were in college. And it was Jalen Hurts when he was at Oklahoma, you know, before he came out of the NFL against Brock Purdy. How about these stats? Jalen Hurts, all right, 341 yards, five touchdowns. Brock Purdy, 337 yards, six touchdowns. And Oklahoma wins the game 42-21. to I remember that game. What a shootout. How about that, Chuck? How about if we have that kind of game uh, on Sunday? Well, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, if it was 42 to 21, how did Brock Purdy have six touchdowns? Uh, because he, he, let's see, six times seven is 42, right? We right. said Oklahoma won. Oklahoma won, yeah. right? But they, yeah, they missed a couple extra points. But Brock Purdy. No, but 21's only three touchdowns. Yeah, Purdy couldn't have had. Six. No, it's 42 to 41. Oh, you said. 20. Oh, you said 21. You said 21. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. Oh, 42 to 41. My, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, it was 42 was to like, 41 at one not point. Right here, it's 42, 42, 21 at the start of the, the fourth, fourth quarter, and then Brock yeah, just unlocked. Right. That's yeah. what you failed to mention. But uh, well, no, um, I, that, you know, my bad. I, I meant 41. I said 21. I had 21 in the brain. Okay. Uh, maybe right, I'm going to play blackjack at the Red Rock. You know, maybe that's what I was doing Friday night after I went to hit line. But, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, number one, they weren't going against the Eagles or Niners defense. So I don't expect it to be 42-41. Um, but hey, you know, they got a little bit of history. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, uh, um, hey, I I think when, when we talked about the future book odds and we went back, you know, a month, six weeks, eight weeks, we kept talking that we really felt that Anything can happen, but realistically, there was probably five, five or six teams that we felt would be playing, um, on that second, um, Sunday in February. And these were four of the five or six teams that we talked about. So I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that you're getting it to play out this way. Um, we know how good Andy Reid has been, you know, coming off that bye. Um, you've got both teams that came off the bye hosting games here. Um, and, you know, future book-wise, we're in really good shape with the Eagles and Giants, pretty good shape with the Bengals. I think I can speak as an industry just from talking to some of my counterparts that there is some liability, I think, industry-wide on San Francisco that I think everybody and, you know, even our side of the counter, maybe we us underestimated, you know, how good they could possibly be with uh, Brock Purdy. I don't think anybody expected him to go undefeated, not turn the ball over, um, and look as poised as he as he's looked and been as good as he is. But um, you know, and I think we raised San Francisco up with that, thinking, hey, it's going to be awfully tough 
for you know a rookie quarterback to take this team on his back and get him to the Super Bowl, but he has. But I think that helped create some liability on the 49ers industry-wide. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock, along with myself, Marco D'Angelo, in the house. Chuck, I got a two-part question for you. First one is the past, and the second one is the future. How bad okay. was it Saturday, teaser-wise, with the Kansas City-Philadelphia teaser that everybody played? And with that, fast-forwarding to this week, you have a game, both games are, like we like to say, it is a Wong, Stanford Wong teaser, the the natural teasers. Do you expect a lot of teasers with this game this week? Yeah, first, Marco, it's always great to chat with you. And it wasn't horrific. Uh, again, I think the the unders are what kind of saved us. Um, as I mentioned to, to T, that was a big part of it. Both days were, were fairly good days, um, for us, the way it kind of broke down. Um, but you're right. I mean, anytime you've got teams that are so closely matched like this and the numbers, uh, so, so close, uh, teasers do become something that, you know, we see a lot of action on in the postseason and we're looking at. And in many cases, I mean, it's, it's you actually need teams to to maybe win by a big number to kind of eliminate the teaser sometimes where you don't where you're not paying off on both sides. Uh, my guess is at the end of the weekend, if it works out where you know we end up paying somehow, you know all eight possible scenarios that um, it, it's a. Uh, uh, it's not a good thing. So, you know, you're really rooting that it doesn't come where you're paying, you know, both teams and both over and under um, on both games. But uh, we'll be rooting against that. But you do see an increase on, on teaser action, um, you know, especially when it's isolated games like this, close numbers, and the other side of the counter, the guests think they're getting some value um, with putting themselves in a position of getting those additional points. So, Championship game Sunday, as we mentioned, it'll be San Francisco and Philadelphia in game one, the second game, Cincy and KC, virtually a pick right now. Chuck, talk about how tough it was to make this line, the in the opening line here, considering what we talked about already, about not knowing about the health of Patrick Mahomes. Talk about those discussions. Yeah, it's really hard, T. I mean, we, we opened the game, um, you know, pick. Uh, it went to Cincinnati one, back to pick. Um, and now it's even raised higher than that. But the, the key really is Mahomes. I mean, most, you know, players, I mean, you've seen key players, running backs, receivers, quarterbacks over the last several years with high ankle sprains actually missed multiple games. Uh, the fact that he stayed in that game and played uh, and came back the second half is a tribute to him. However, you know, you, you know that he's going to have to be getting work almost every single day. He's probably not going to practice a lot. They're going to try to keep any, any swelling down, keep him in the best shape that you can keep him in to take the field. And he is a difference maker, of course. But when you watched him, you know, the struggles he had even handing off, um, and they're playing against the Cincinnati defense that was smothering to Josh Allen, it's definitely a concern. And I think that's why you've seen this number start to creep up. Again, we were on an island when we had Cincinnati the favorite and then above, you know, one. And I think that trend's going to continue, and you're going to see this number go even higher, even if you hear. I mean, and I don't expect, suspect we're going to hear anything different that Mahomes isn't going to play, but I just think it's a Cincy team right now that – is better than this Jacksonville team. And I think you look at Burrow and how he's played with those two wideouts, and, and, and it was all Mahomes and Kelsey. There was not a whole lot of downfield. Kansas City's played a lot of close games this year. They have not been point-spread darlings. I really think you're going to see this Cincinnati number 
continue to tick up. Chuck, you've been in this industry a long, long time. And I know you can remember that, you know, when you would have situations like this way back in the day where you guys would not put up a line immediately, you guys, well, we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. But now we see that, you know, with so much information, everything out there, it does hinder you to not put up a line. You, you've got to put up something, right? Because you want to start engaging that, but that can also be a little bit dangerous as well, too, right? So that's why, you know, the question about, okay, you know, the thought process of going in, you know, putting up a line, you know, six days in advance here, because, you know, obviously you want to, to generate the action. So, I mean, I guess, how conscious are you of that? And just talk about the industry as a whole, how it's kind of developed from way back in those days where, you know, you, you would, you would have maybe a situation like this with a star quarterback, arguably the best quarterback in the league, you know, not knowing if he's going to play, you'd have that game off the board for a couple of days. Yeah, but, but you said it, T. It, it's about information, and we are in information era right now. And, you know, as we're trying to find out what exact his status is, uh, the guests on the other side of the counter are trying to do the exact same thing. So we're going to monitor it closely. You may see uh, the game, you know, uh, move move quicker early in the week. But, hey, it's the two championship games. Uh, you know, we'll know Sunday who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. We want to make sure to get this game on the board. I, I think there's as much uncertainty uh, from the other side of the counter as there is on this side of the counter. Uh, in a perfect world, you'd like to know that all the star players are, you know, all the stars have aligned and everyone's going to play and you're, you're ready to roll. Um, and it is one of the most impactful players in the league. Um, Kansas City, again, offensively this year, they weren't as dynamic. Um, they scored a lot of touchdowns. They were fun to watch. But, I mean, it is really Mahomes and Kelsey more than anything else. Um, they've got other guys, but they don't have number 10 anymore. And you could tell the offense was a little bit different. But they still have that quarterback who, you know, five straight years now as a starter, he's gotten to the championship game. And there's a reason they're as good as they are. Um, but the uncertainty definitely puts, you know, a little bit of a question mark, I think, not only in our heads, but also the guys on the other side of the counter. Chuck, I think you guys get a lot of practice of uh, moving on the fly every day with the NBA is you never know lineups all day <laughs> don't, long. Don't start me on that, Marco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not fun for us either. Uh, try, you, you make a bet and you find out three hours later that uh, you're, <laughs> you got a number that's dead. <laughs> Four-point move. Yeah, it's... I mean, Load and, and those are not, you know, anything you expect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in football, for the most part, you, you know, uh, Mahomes is, is injured or other players could be injured. You're not hearing, you know, like you said, a couple hours later, up, oh, it's a maintenance day. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, uh, totally unexpected at that point. But again, you know, I, I think the industry as a whole, guys, is so different now. Being in an information era, I mean, we're constantly looking and monitoring and, and assessing and, and discussing, you know, what we hear and see and, and who's betting. And I think the other guys in the counter are that much more educated, too. I think the guests do a, a really good job of doing their homework and staying on top of it. Um, but it has been dramatically different. And, and now, you know, you've got guests that are able to play uh, through the mobile app. So they get this information or they think it's advantageous information at the time. They're able to bet, you know, pretty much simultaneously from getting that. So it's key that we're monitoring it and staying on top of it as well. I want to know which one of those guys back in your locker room there, Chuck, uh, you know, takes more load management days. I'm, I'm guessing it's Symbol. Symbol has those maintenance, those load management days, right? Uh, I'm not commenting on that, boys. <laughs> <laughs> He's Chuck Esposito. Great stuff. Real quick, Chuck. Uh, liability futures. I, I would imagine 
the Niners are are big liability for you guys. Anybody else out there? Yeah, not big, but I mean, there definitely is some uh, really good shape with uh, with the Andy Reid ball if it comes uh, Eagles Chiefs, right? And pretty good shape with the Bengals. Bengals have been a team though. Not that their odds were overly high, but they were just a team that you know you, you could tell that uh, some sharp action really came in on the Bengals over the last kind of six weeks or so on the future book when, when we post that and put it back on the board every week. So, uh, hey, I'm anxious to see these two games. We'll have the, the Super Bowl up, you know, as the second game is ending or before it even ends. If it's a blowout, hope they're great games, and uh, we'll see how it plays out, guys. And there'll be just a ton of props available for these two games, and we've already started working on big game props. So uh, our packet will be available, you know, sometime that, that following week. So excited about that as well. And yeah, nobody does it better than you guys at stations, uh, like you said, with the props, uh, you know, pages after pages of stuff. And like I said, all, all that stuff's available on the app. You got the kiosks there in the sports book. And of course, from a viewing aspect, uh, fantastic as well, too. So make sure you go out to any of the station casino properties and check that out. And also, of course, it goes without saying the food options. And Marco, Marco can join <laughs> me with that, Chuck. That. He I knew knows. you had to get to that team. Uh, it's, 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 you know, again, I mean, football, basketball, it doesn't matter, baseball, whatever, and the food, they go hand in hand. You, you know, you spend six hours out there. I mean, I'm not the only guy. My, my tag team partner, Marco, does, Marco does the same thing, you know, between little. I love it, boys. I love it. Spend the six hours out here. I mean, everybody come out and have some fun and enjoy, you know, all the things that we have to offer. Not only a Red Rock, but all of our properties, sure. and, and of course the, the experience of watching a game in our books with the big video walls. I mean, you really feel like you're in the action. Uh, so come on out, enjoy this weekend. It should be a, should be fun uh, as we get ready to see who's going to be playing February twelfth. And Chuck, I think Marco is becoming a close second to me when it comes to posting food pictures from your establishments. Okay, I'm just telling you. So be, beware this this guy. I don't know. I kind of created a monster here. You know. Yeah, but that's I, all right. <laughs> all good stuff, boys. All good stuff. I need I need some residuals for sending him to T Bones because he was always a hands <laughs> guy. <Yeah. laughs> all right, buddy, you got it. Keep, keep it in the family. There, there we go, Chuck. We appreciate it as always. Uh, have a good one uh, over the course of the weekend, my friend. All right, boys. You guys too, and I'll talk to you soon. There he is, Chuck Esposito joins us on Mondays, right here, breaking it down for you. All right, yes, all four unders cash in favorites two and two over the course of the weekend. And you can make the case, yeah, probably should have been three and one with that Kansas City game, but uh, there you go. But yeah, favorites, but unders, unders cashing in. It'll be interesting to see uh, where the money goes and chart the weather both in Kansas City and Philly as we approach Sunday. All right, when we come back, Marco is with us. Uh, we're going to talk a little VGK, some hoops, and uh, also the news that broke yesterday regarding the Las Vegas Aces losing one of their longtime key members to a trade. Now, now, more from your favorite sports radio physician, that boy is good. the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, don't forget, we've got plenty of stuff that we're going to be giving away, including Ringo Star tickets coming your way. Um, that's coming up next month, so hang tight for that. And then Cool and the Gang in concert coming your way February 10th and 11th. Looking forward to that at the Westgate inside the International Theater. Yeah, we're going to get down on it a little bit. Even Marco D'Angelo is going to get down on it, I think. Look out there. Cool and the gang at the Westgate. Get your tickets, Ticketmaster, or there at the Westgate. 
Uh, great shows over at the Westgate as well, too. The Motown show, uh, fantastic. Saw that again recently. Uh, love the performances, uh, they have there as well, too. But, uh, yeah, food and, uh, the entertainment and, of course, the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate, Las Vegas. All right, uh, the breaking news uh, from yesterday, the uh, Las Vegas Aces announced a trade. And this really hits a lot of the fan base uh, pretty hard here, uh, including myself. You know, uh, Dierica Hamby was traded by the Las Vegas Aces to the Los Angeles Sparks for a draft pick um, next year. As and uh, actually, the Aces gave up a draft pick and Dierica Hamby to the LA Sparks for Amanda Zui B. And um, Amanda Zui B has been in this league almost as long as Dierica Hamby. Um, she's 29 years old, but a very good player. Played for a couple different teams, um, has size. A uh, very good three-point shooter, so she will be a welcome addition to the Aces from that standpoint. Someone who could uh, match up uh, and play with Asia Wilson, you know, down low, but can also extend the floor uh, as well. But uh, unfortunately, the sad part here is that Dierica Hamby is no longer a member of the Aces. Uh, Dierica Hamby, as we've talked about before, uh, is pregnant with her second child on the way. Um, this was announced at the parade. You know, going back uh, into uh, September, and uh, didn't know how much time that she was going to miss this year. So, from the Aces' perspective, and again, this is not coming from the Aces. This is just, you know, me analyzing it or whatever. They're viewing that uh, didn't know how much time that she was going to miss, and do you get a chance to get someone like Amanda Zui B, who fans will love. Uh, cause she is a very good player, uh, charismatic as well, too. Uh, and I, and I think it'll be a good fit for the Aces. But I kind of feel that the Aces maybe feel that Dierica Hamby's better days are behind. Not many, uh, WNBA players, um, you know, play longer, you know, after they have a, a second child. There are very few players that have one child, uh, in the league. So even though Dierica Hamby, as I had called her, the de-energizer, um, just up and down the floor, uh, fantastically, uh, who could forget the, some of the great memorable moments that, uh, she's had with the aces, uh, the Hamby heave, of course, the half court shot, uh, of course, one of my all time favorite uh, calls. And, uh, but, you know, I just want to speak about Derek Hamby, the person, a person that was so genuine, so down to earth, uh, always made the time, um, you know, not just for me and our show and the interviews and during the broadcast with the Aces, but just for fans, always there to sign autographs. Her child, Amaya, um, you know, now four years old, uh, just, uh, a, a treat to be around and she was part of the aces, you know, locker room, uh, would travel on the road with the team and everything. Uh, so yeah, Dierica Hamby and Amaya, they are going to be missed. Her play on the floor will definitely be missed because very few players play like Dierica Hamby, the way she just goes all out, uh, offensively, defensively, of course, back to back six woman of the year, you know, the two-time uh, all-star, now WNBA champ with the Aces. She will be sorely missed and uh, rooting for her as uh, she will be playing with the L.A. Sparks after she has her second child, uh, which is a boy that's on the way, legend. So uh, look forward to seeing her back here again. And we know that uh, she'll get a staying ovation. And uh, 
but she'll be play, she'll basically be playing the Aces at least three times during the course of the year as a member of the Sparks. So yes, that news came out yesterday that uh, Dierka Hamby no longer remember the Aces traded to the L.A. Sparks. All right, uh, we continue on speaking here in uh, in Vegas. Uh, the Golden Knights, Marco, very impressed with the victory that they had on Saturday night. I was uh, rolling through the Cosmopolitan after the game uh, on um, Saturday night as I went to bet my my ticket that I wasn't so happy that uh, I, I, that I lost. As I was going up the escalator to see our, see our good friend Johnny uh, over at Blue Ribbon, uh, there was a, a, a couple Caps fans, and they had their Caps jerseys on, Washington Capitals jersey. And so I was so entrenched you know, with, with football that day, I said to the, you know, un, unbeknownst to know what the final score was, I said, oh, I said, so, I said, how'd the, how'd the game go tonight? And I go, it sucked. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah. I go, what was the final score? And this guy looks at me like, it was six to two. And, you know, golden nights. And I go, oh. And I said, well, about time for the nights. And the guy goes, what do you mean about time? He goes, they got like the best team in the league. What are you talking about? This and that. I go, I go, well, it's about time that they won at home. And he goes, what are you talking about? So I, I had enough of him. I go, what are you talking about? I go, do you know what's going on with this team at home? I go, they're fantastic on the road. But I go, they have problems at home. I go, they have one of the worst home records of any, well, the worst home record of any division leader or any of the contenders, no question about it. So I go, that's what I mean by that. So yeah, take your 6-2 uh, your loss and see you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they played well. On, I didn't say that last part. <laughs> they played. I wanted well, to though. They played well on Saturday, but Sunday was an absolute. They like they didn't show up. Twenty four hours later, they get beat four to one to Arizona on the road. Are you kidding me? Now the Arizona arena that they're playing in is is the college uh, Arizona State right now. So it's a different. Yeah. It's a different atmosphere. I mean, the it looks like the crowd is right on the ice with you, basically. But uh, still, Arizona's a bad hockey team, and the growing concern for me going to the games in the last couple that I've gone to, and Washington wasn't my game because I split my season tickets, so I didn't get to see them play well. But the last few that I've been to, they come out of the locker room, first period, second period, they're getting outplayed in that first three minutes of the periods, and they're giving up a goal. You start the game behind one nothing right away. It's uphill from there. Then you tie the game and then you come out in the second period and you give up another quick goal again. It, I don't know why they can't get any consistency going right now. I know it's injuries. It's too, you know, it's too easy to always blame injuries because every team in the league goes through stretches of injuries. Uh, but this team's not playing well. Um, Eichel, who is super sharp, hasn't been that good since he's come back from the injury. I think I jinxed him because I added another jersey to my collection and I got, I got an Eichel jersey <laughs> and, uh, my buddy told me, do not wear it anymore because I, they haven't won in a game that I've gone to wearing that jersey. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And so you were, went to the Red Wing game. I went to the yeah. Red Wing. My buddy yeah. was in town, took him to, yeah. he was in from Detroit and uh, we had a fun night. He had more fun than I did, obviously, because the Red Red Wings won, but that was another game. They gave up goals right at the first period, yeah. right at the second period, and you're playing catch up the whole the whole time, and they're just not doing it. Yeah, you're talking about what, what used to be called the Wells Fargo Arena, and then they changed the name a little bit, right? That that's the the arena there on campus at ASU. 
right? Mullet Arena. Now, now it's Mullet Arena. Yes. Okay. Now that's the same arena where Arizona State basketball team plays. Everything right in the hockey. Right. Team. It, it, yeah. And the hockey team plays there. Yeah, you call it. Yeah. So, and I've actually coached games way back in the day there, and actually called an Aces playoff game the year before last against uh, the, the Phoenix Mercury because we got kicked out. Uh, the playoff game got kicked out of the the arena there where the Suns and the Mercury play because Disney on Ice was in town, so we had to go play. And, and so it was right on top for a WNBA game. I mean, you're right on top. I can only imagine how it is for hockey in that arena. And I used to think, you know, because I was there 20 years ago, you know, that hey, that's pretty cool arena, but you get to see how outdated it is, and just you know, talking about. You know, playing a hockey game there, I can't even fathom that. Well, if you remember, this team started the season out with 14 straight games on the road. Right. Because they're built, you know, yeah. the arena wasn't ready. They're building their arena. Then they're playing in, you know, the, the, Play college. the casino there for yeah. a while. You know, it's, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Right. And to lose to them. And now the Knights got to go on an East Coast road trip and they're going to face, I think, both the Ra- Rangers, Islanders and, uh, the New Jersey Devils. The Devils and the Rangers are good teams. The Islanders are, you know, they're not playing well right now, and that team can't score. But this is going to be a big road trip for them. Uh, you, you can't go on the road and lose all, all four games. Mm-hmm. And what has been your take with uh, Cassidy so far? I At the beginning of the season, I saw they were playing with a different, you know, spirit, attitude right now. They're too many times they're lifeless on the ice. They're getting out skated. Um, their passes aren't as crisp. You know, again, you know, I sit behind a net. So you see the plays develop. Their passing game to the teams they're playing is not as sharp. And that goes to all of the different lineups that he's had to juggle because of the injuries. You don't have that, that chemistry where, you know, lines other than the misfit line that for whatever they keep that line together, you know, from the first year, uh, there all the other lines get moved around because you're trying to find the right chemistry and you got to replace a star. The other growing concern is some of the key guys are logging a lot of minutes right now. TC that is going to take its toll later in the season because they have to to try to get some offense. When you look at the Golden Knights still leading the Pacific Division at this point in time you know right now with 60 points but it it doesn't really seem does it to you that this is a first place team not right now yeah. and one of the things and it's funny and I, when i went to the game uh two games back when i went with my buddy Brian Logan Thompson has been good all year, but he's not been solid lately right. and ironically you know i i turned to my buddy i said you know what i said this is the old baseball angle he got named to the all-star game. That's, you know, a big yep. thing for him. And remember the old angle in baseball, how we used to always go against starting, you know, a pitcher that got named to the all-star team for the first time because, you know, mentally you have a letdown. It's, it, it's a big deal. And he's not playing like an all-star goalie right now. I mean, this is, he hasn't started all the games. I mean, right, of the yeah. 48 games, but I'm, you know, worried about the wear and tear a little bit. And just again, this, this guy's still a youngster. He's not used to playing, you know, this many games in the NHL, you know? I, I mean, was shocked he started last night because yeah. he started Saturday here. And then usually when you play a back to back, you're bringing the backup in, but Hill's not been great either. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Keep an eye on the uh, the Golden Knights. But they, like Marco said, they go on an East Coast uh, uh, road trip uh, coming up this week. I know uh, Friday they got the uh, the Rangers yeah. at the Garden as well, too. So we'll keep an eye on that. All right. Uh, basketball uh, tonight. We've uh, got kind of a light schedule, but uh, got a couple interesting games here tonight. Duke and Virginia Tech. Um, Duke 14 and five. This is not the same Duke team that we're accustomed to seeing. Uh, they are coming off of a win. They've lost seven, uh, they're facing Virginia Tech, who's lost seven in a row tonight. And I know a lot of people, Marco, will look at this and saying, Hey, you know, Virginia Tech is a, is a two and a half point favorite, you know, over Duke. Maybe some value there with, with Duke, especially, you know, when would you ever think that you would have Virginia Tech or whoever for that matter, just do kind of a blind resume team, uh, here and, a team that's lost seven in a row is a two and a half point favorite over Duke. And that's what you got tonight. Yeah. And, you know, for me, you know how this is one of those ones where you look at the lines and scratch your head. You got, you know, name wise, it's still Duke. Granted, Coach K is not there, but it's still Duke. A lot of people are going to bet Duke tonight just, you know, for that reason. You're getting Duke as an underdog against a team that's lost seven in a row. I actually am involved in that game tonight, TC. I went with the over. And on paper, when you look at – I got it at 137. You look at a Virginia Tech team, and if you think Virginia Tech – it's like their counterpart of the state. It was all Virginia, a hard-nosed defense, and it's a race to 60. That's not Virginia Tech this year, other than the last game, and that's why we're getting a little bit of line value. Saturday, they played an absolute paint-dry game, 51-50 against Clemson. Okay, So people are going to look at that and see 137, and there's going to be money coming in on the under, but this team actually plays at a, at a faster they pace do. this year. Yeah. And I like, and we know what Duke likes to do. Right. Duke wants to get up and down the floor. They want to toss some threes up. And I see this one going over 137. All right. No, uh, keep an eye on that there tonight. Again, uh, that game goes at four o'clock. Duke at Virginia Tech at 137. The total and Duke a two and a half point favorite. The other marquee game tonight is Kansas and Baylor. Uh, Baylor's a two point choice in this one. Uh, Baylor played Oklahoma on Saturday, and uh, Oklahoma led for a majority of this game, and then Baylor hit three threes uh, in the last minute and a half uh, to to get the victory here and ended up winning uh, by two. You, Baylor comes back home tonight, and you know I thought maybe that might be a good spot for Oklahoma. It ended up basically being a push because Baylor was doing the look ahead here, and that game uh, was in Norman in Oklahoma. But now Baylor is at home tonight, and Kansas is, uh, as we know, uh, you know, coming off uh, two losses in a row. Baylor's won four in a row. I love KU usually and great teams like this coming off a loss. But now you got the double loss here, Marco. I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to play Kansas tonight. Baylor's a tough place to play, but you know I, I lean towards Kansas that they get the job done here tonight. Uh, again, I know you're not. You know we talk teasers a lot with football, but when it comes to basketball, you run away from me. I mean, you just you run. I, I don't get it. But anyway, but you could have you could have Duke plus seven or eight, say a six point teaser. Okay, and you don't have to lay as much juice on a basketball teaser as you do the NFL. There's a reason. So, yeah, well, <laughs> you give me Duke plus eight tonight. Give me Kansas plus eight. I, I think I'm going to the window, my friend. But yeah, Kansas coming off a pair of losses in this Baylor team coming off a, a big emotional road win. This is not the same Baylor team that we've seen the last couple seasons. There's no question Baylor's down a couple notches from uh, what we've seen in the last few years. When I first looked at this game this morning, I was looking at the Kansas side, and my reasoning was, as you said, they lost two in a row. 
the game that they lost to start the two-game losing streak was on the road at on a Tuesday night at Kansas State, their arch rival, and that was always it's a bigger game for Kansas State than than Kansas when it comes to basketball. But these two schools don't like each other, and that game went to overtime. It was a you know an, a barn burner, one point game, and Kansas State escaped with the win. Everybody automatically looks for Kansas to bounce back when they come back at home on Saturday. And, you know, my buddy, somebody, you know, you know here well in the the city, Dave Koken, always coined a phrase Mm -hmm. that you can lose the same game twice. A lot of times teams that come off a big game where they lose, they lose that game again because they come out flat the next game, the hangover effect. And that's what I thought happened to Kansas on Saturday against TCU. So I started to look at, you know, taking Kansas tonight. But I keep looking at that line, man. They want you to take Kansas with Baylor, the, that small favorite. And Baylor, as you said, coming off, you know, you could call it an ugly win, lucky win, whatever you want to do. I like teams that win a game that maybe mm-hmm. they shouldn't have because that can put a team on a, on a winning streak. So for me, I lean to Baylor in, in this one. Uh, be a good one. I know it looks tempting taking those points uh, on the teaser, TC, but the reason for the listeners why I don't like teasers in basketball, and we talk about it with football when we do teasers, you frequency of scoring. We like to tease in the NFL on the lower totals because points are more at a premium. Basketball, you can have those six points evaporate in 30 seconds. You know, mm-hmm. they come down, hit a couple threes, get a foul, the other team misses. I, I just don't like doing teasers in college basketball. Uh, from the Mount West perspective, there's another one tonight where New Mexico, uh, 18 and two on the year. And, uh, they're actually a dog against Reno tonight. And uh, Nevada is a three and a half point choice. Uh, there could be some value there on, uh, New Mexico. There could be. New Mexico is one of those teams that, you know, nobody saw this coming mm-hmm. with them this year. And they've had some games where they've won and, you know, not covered because they've been, you know, laying points. On the road, going to Nevada, it's a bad, it's a tough place to play. Nevada is not as good as we've seen some of these teams in the past. Uh, but they are 15 and five. They are coming off a loss returning home. Last time they were at home, they played a Utah State team, which, um, is a team that I thought was going to be better than they were this year in the Mountain West. They blew the doors off them, uh, winning by 15. So we'll see what happens here. I'm not involved in this one. I can understand New Mexico looks inviting getting those points, but uh, we'll see what they can do on the road. Uh, they played Wyoming earlier in the year on the road, escaped with a one-point win. They didn't cover. And then the very next game, they played Fresno State on the road, and they lose by four in that one. So, But they did blast San Diego State on the road, if you look at that, which they, was the toughest we, opponent in the Mountain West, you could argue. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with you on there. So this is a Tough, team I yeah. can't really get a handle on. Yep. All right. Good stuff. All right, Marco, I appreciate uh, you hanging with us today, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on Friday back at the Superbook at uh, the Westgate. Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com. He handicaps it all. Go to wagertalk.com. Subscribe to Marco's Plays and get it. And all week long, we will be going 
on and on to the break of dawn, talking about the AFC and NFC Championship games and handicapping that from all angles. We'll be looking at the totals and, of course, keeping a very close eye on the injury status, especially with Patrick Mahomes as well, too. So um, looking forward to a lot of breakdown in the next coming days and especially Fridays with our best bet on Friday, Marco. Yeah, I can only gain one game on Trevor. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate you hanging out today. No problem. Anytime. Uh, All right. We'll exchange food picks later. I, I know you're going to be whining and dining tonight uh, as well. So, Drowning you, sorrows. There you go. Good <laughs> man. Yeah. He sends me a picture last night. He goes, I got this beautiful steak in front of me, but it doesn't taste any good because I'm coming off this loss. It's like, you know what? Put that steak in front of me, buddy. <laughs> I'm no problem down it. All right. For Marco D'Angelo and Numchuck, Chuck Esposito joined us from the Red Rock. Appreciate you joining us. Go to tcmartinshow.com. Check out our review on the website, plus everything there, the podcast, everything at tcmartinshow.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2.